Welcome to the Altered Podcast, where we honor God and the things He does. Welcome to the Altered Podcast, where we didn't do a special intro. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we honor God and the things that he does. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You know what? It's okay, because it's after Thanksgiving. We can sing Christmas carols now. <laughs> I will allow it. Except it's not after Christmas or after Thanksgiving because we were recording this beforehand and blah 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 blah. Oh wait, wait! I just have one thing to say. <sighs> <laughs> so Ben, Dina, we had a good time the other day on Madison County Youth Football. We did. That, that was, was so fun. much fun. Yeah, I, I'm we, not gonna lie. Half the time I didn't know what was going on because I'm not a football person. But you learned so much about I football. I did. There's like numbers and things. I'm and, so proud of you. Yeah. Yeah, she was doing the Dewey Decimal System. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did do some ads for some uh, sports books, though. You did? Sports books? Yeah. Sports books. Oh, yeah. you did do ads? Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were trying to say something <laughs> Whenever like... Hunter left the, um, I don't know, the box thing that we were talking in, the announcer box, I would say, uh, and rem- <laughs> remember kids, Coach Hunter says to read books. <laughs> 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 and then yep. I would go on to talk about a book that I think the kids should read. Yeah. So we got to uh, be the guest announcers at the Richmond City Football Super Bowls and that was an all-day fiasco and it poured the rain so we got to sit up in a nice heated and air-conditioned press box we did and that was nice mm-hmm. um but we had a lot of really good time and threw our name out there so if you're listening because of that welcome yeah um glad think, to have you I think there was a lot of people who were interested in the podcast because we had just a lot of fun with it yeah and yeah. Yeah. What else did we do while we've been away for the Thanksgiving break? Uh, so Dina's been making shirts. She's been screen printing, which is really cool. It's a neat little process. <laughs> well, we need altered I mean, podcast shirts. I know. That's what I was telling Ben. So this was really kind of a, I don't know, experimental project. So I've been telling Ben forever that I was like, if we had a simple Chi Alpha t-shirt design that it would be so much cheaper for us to just screen print them ourselves and he's like okay but we know nothing about screen printing so as a librarian (laughs) I did my research and figured out how to do it kind of on like the home scale version I guess because I have a Cricut and so um, as a teacher you can use Canva for education for free and so I was playing around with it because here soon we'll have the kids start designing like t-shirt designs. And so I thought, well, this is a real world example of, you know, me creating a t-shirt design. So I create this t-shirt design for the ladies retreat that we just went to in Gatlinburg with our, you know, real life logo in it and stuff. And so, yeah, bought some things off of Amazon and, and did it and it all worked out. So we'll see once somebody starts to wash their shirt, whether it really (laughs) stuck on there or not. (laughs) Yeah, probably shouldn't dry it. Probably should hang dry it. Well, it says you can because it's ink. It's Uh not. Yeah, because after if you use the good ink, which is I don't know if this is advertising or not, but speedball ink is what everybody has talked about. If you use that and you let it sit and dry, then you heat press it. 
And something about that sets it into the cotton on the shirt. So there is a design that you have. It's like black and white, and it, but it has like altered as the white logo. Mm-hmm. That would look really good in a t-shirt. But, yeah. you know, we may be selling those soon. You never know. So if you all would like to see some merch with the Altered Podcast, let us know what kind of merch you would like to see. There you go. Merch. Merch. <laughs> That's what the new cool kids So what say. was our last episode about? Was it Thankful Patriot? So our last, no, our no? last episode. <laughs> okay, so I do, there's so many that I just That's lose. the one that technically came out this week, but they all oh, don't know that. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. So our last episode thankful for family. was thankful for family. Remember we had Lil come on? She was just so oh, cute. Oh, yeah. She yes, drew on we the had wall. that wonderful Oh, no, family. it wasn't. No, no, it wasn't. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> so I have on okay, here. So before we get on here, they're all hunky-dory. And then we get on here and they're like, wait, what episode is it? We're falling apart here. Um, it is. I promise I have them on board and, and on key and the, all that before the, we get started. The next one is thankful for hospitality. Oh, that the last was one. right. Yeah. yeah, that was so good. Yeah, that was really good. You know, well, so as we're recording this, the election just happened. Yeah, this this week. Yeah, and uh, and that's the that's the confusing part. That's why it's yeah, hard to keep that's track. Why I was, it's really hard in my brain. Um, but so this week, <clears throat> we are going back to one of our series just for this week before the advent um, of December, Dina's favorite month, and we're going to be talking about. God working in the interruptions mm-hmm. and the the biblical character or biblical person that we're going to be focusing on is Mary. Mary. A, a prelude to Christmas. We're going to be talking about the interruption in her life and how God worked in that interruption. Yep. So cool. the Super scripture cool. we're going to be reading from is Luke chapter 1. Verse 26. So, so if you're out there and you have your Bibles and you want to flip those real pages, you should do that. Or if you're driving, just trust that we're reading the real verse. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be reading, about, reading out of CSB um, just because I like CSB. It's been a cool little translation I've been reading out of lately. And so Luke 1, 26 says this. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. <laughs> the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the, one, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who is called childless. Hmm. So, can you just imagine being Mary, getting ready to be married to Joseph, and hello, I'm an angel, and this is what's about to happen to you. Yep. Which was huge. Even in today's world, if an angel popped up and said, hey, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but back then, that was a really big deal. Well, okay. I and mean, so, it's, yeah. And even deal. today, like today, having children out of wedlock is, is a very common uh, thing that happens all the time. 
Back then, that did not happen. No, no. Often. Back then, if that happened, they took you outside and they stoned you to death. Not yeah. like, pass me the thing, stoned. They're talking like big rocks thrown at you, stoned. Like, killed you, dead, stoned. Right. It was bad. It was a bad deal. So, <clears throat> just for, for the, the clarification. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know that anybody was thinking of the like, yeah. I don't know, smoking variety. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> now listen, every time I have talked about this and I say, they would have taken her outside and stoned her. Everybody giggles. And I'm like, not puff, puff, pass. Big rock throw. That's what this is. So anyway. Big rock throw. Big rock throw, not puff, puff, pass. The only thing they were passing was big giant stones at her face. So anyway. <clears throat> oh my goodness. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's kind of the thing that most people don't get is number one, this was the biggest interruption of her life. And she is shocked by it, right? She's like, I haven't done the things that are required to have a child. Mm-hmm. So how can this be? But number two, this literally could have been a death sentence for her. Now, obviously, if God is saying, you're going to have the, the, the or the angel saying, you're going to have the son of God, the implication is you're going to survive. But still, like this angel could have been signing her death warrant. Well, and not only that, but it would be a huge dishonor for her entire family too. Yep. It affects more than just her. Yeah, this is honor shame culture that we're talking about. And so in honor shame culture, the shame... Like, okay, I never realized it until somebody put the, put it in perspective for me like this. We, in this society, uh, let me just ask you, which, we, which means more to you? Does it mean more to you that your sins are forgiven or that you're adopted into the family of God? I feel like it's a trick question. If the initial thought process in my brain would jump immediately, like if I'm if it's the close your eyes kind of moment and you speak the first thing that comes to your head, yeah. it's the sins are forgiven part. Uh-huh. Yeah. Dina, what do you think? I'm kind of with Hunter that my sins are forgiven because I don't have to be liked. But the per se. But, yeah. the, but the Bible side of me kind of jumps to Romans eleven uh-huh. talking about being adopted into the the tree of, of mm-hmm. God's people. Yeah. And yeah, but if you're not like my sins are asking forgiven. for forgiveness, but well, you're, then you're just the, the black family. sheep of the family, and nobody cares. <laughs> well, Pastor Chris said it today. You're not a part of the family if you're not saved already, right? So, meaning, if I'm saved already, my sins are forgiven, and I'm adopted into the family yeah. because adoption means that I'm His own. Yes, and and it means that I'm not just a servant; I'm also a son. Yeah, and being just saved means that I am. I could just be a servant. Yeah. He, he just saved me. He doesn't really care. He just kind of saved me and put me to the side. But the adoption side means that he took me in and mm. treated me as his own. Yeah. So really, it should be the adoption means more. It, and that's in honor-shame culture, that is what it means. Now, for me personally, I'm the same way. But we all come from America, where we don't live in an honor-shame culture. I don't remember what they call our culture. but um, <laughs> Whatever culture. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, in our culture, we are more... We lean more to, I am more thankful that my sins are forgiven mm-hmm. because without that, I burn in hell for eternity. They would say, no, I am much more, um, it means much more to me that I am adopted into the family of God. Well, I think that's why Paul makes such a big deal about the adoption culture. That's what the whole book of Romans is about. Well, so let's back the truck up for just a second. If you were Jewish, the thing, the reason why most Jews had such an issue with Jesus was because Jesus was really almost in many ways proving to them, hey, you are not in the family of God, necessarily. Mm -hmm. And that was like the big thing for them. Like, no, we're Jews. What are you talking about? And Jesus is going, look, you can't be 
you're not a Jew by outward things. You're a Jew in your heart. If you're if like, you remember he talks about the whole circumcision thing. You're not a Jew if you're just one outwardly, but you have to have a circumcision of the heart. Um, that's the whole thing that Jesus was talking about. That's why it offended the heck out of them. And so for, for Paul to talk about adoption as sons, he's talking to Gentiles there. He's like, mm-hmm. listen, you were Gentiles, but you were adopted into the people of God, which is amazing. And then remember he makes the statement, but not everybody who is Israel is Israel. Um, Romans 9, baby. I mean, yeah. So like, that's why that whole thing is so um, intense. And that's why Jews, when Paul was like, I'm, I'm still reading in Acts, and I've been going slowly through the book of Acts because I've been really seeing some of those, those implications, and I've been going back and rereading chapters and stuff. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's crazy to me. <laughs> like, Paul ticks off some Jewish people, um, and it literally says, so he goes into the synagogue, and he preaches. And they're like, hey, we want you to come back and tell us more about this the next week. And so everybody, he's like, sure, let's do it. And everybody's a hunky-dory. Well, the next week, like the whole town shows up. And it says um, the leaders of the synagogue are so jealous, the, the Jewish leaders are so jealous that they actually cause a riot. And they try to, I think they actually do stone Paul. Um, and when I talk about that one, again, people, like, they laugh. But, like, wasn't Puff Puff Pass. It was big rock throw. Um, they, they take him outside of the city and they stone him. Um, and it says that the, the church, the elders gathered around him and he was lifted up and he goes on to the next town and just preaches in the next town. Um, when the next town, guess what happens? The Jewish people find out about it and they come chase him down, follow him to the next town and like basically drive him out of the next town, cause a big riot again. Um, it's just interesting that in this honor shame culture, they gave more honor to the fact that Jesus was Messiah in their mind, it would seem like, then they gave honor to the fact that these synagogue leaders were leading the synagogue the whole time. Like, And so they are so offended by that in this honor-shame culture that they drive Paul out of town and then they chase him from place to place over and over and over again. So anyway, <clears throat> so in this honor-shame culture, it actually means more that they're adopted into the family of God or that they are in the family of God. And for you to be kicked out of the family of God was big. Again, you go back to the the church in Acts, where or the church, like Paul talks about in First Corinthians, where he's like, warn them, go to them, take them before the church. If they still don't repent of their sin, kick them out of the church. The reason why that was such a big deal, honor, shame, culture. You had to suffer the shame, number one, of being kicked out of the church. We, in our Western society, are like, well, that was their only support system that they had. Well, no, not really. Like, if you left the church, you were okay. You could actually go be a pagan again and be fine. You know, you could do all the stuff. It was the honor shame side of it that really meant a lot to him or did not. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So number one, big, huge deal, big, huge interruption, major implications there. Um, and so what else do we see in the story? We see that Gabriel was sent to Nazareth to a virgin. She was engaged to a guy named Joseph of the line of David. Super important by the way, because that was prophesied in scripture. Um, it says that she is, um, favored, uh, it says that she will give birth to a king whose reign will never end. His name will be Jesus. That's really important. Um, you know, she's never done the things required to conceive, yet he will be the miraculous son of God. Um, and so we see all of these big major things in this story. And this story has such amazing implications for our life. Implications that I never realized if I hadn't just studied this out. Um in the way that I did. 
Now, before we go any farther, though, you know what we need to do? You know what other implications we have? We need to thank Anchor for hosting our stuff. So at this time, we're going to ad break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk about Nazareth. So listen to this ad, and we'll be back in just a second. We're back. That ad was fire, Dina. Thank you for making our ad from for four, four, yeah, four anchor. Now, let's talk about Nazareth for just a minute. So this story, it says um, in this story that uh, that Mary lives in this little town called Nazareth. Dina, what do you know about Nazareth? Well, Nazareth was really, really small. And they know this because of all the different archaeological studies that they have done in the area. And so it was roughly about, what, four acres or so? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, the modern-day Nazareth is pretty big. Like, when people look at it, they're like, oh, that looks like a standard city. But they're actually, if you go back and look at the old discovery, uh, the old archaeological discoveries, um, they can tell how big Nazareth was because Jewish people did not bury their dead in their cities. They bury them outside of their cities. So... It seems like a smart move. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, and, and so dead people were considered unclean. So mm -hmm. the land where they lived had to be clean. And so you actually, they almost drew like, it's not a perfect circle around where they lived, but they you basically can tell almost exactly where they lived um, based off of their tomb situation. And so when you look at it, Nazareth was four acres. It was about 50 houses total, max. So like... Think about four acres for a second. The average home in America sits on a half acre to an acre of land. Hunter, I think your plot of land is probably roughly an acre. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, Nazareth, four of your like house plots. That's it, four. Um, I actually I, I listened to a guy. He um, it's Athey Creek something or other. At, they're they're pretty cool. They're out of Oregon, but the guy he preaches like literally starts in Genesis, preaches Revelation. And when he talks about, they, they go on a, a trek to Israel, I think, like every year um, or every other year, something like that. Anyway, he says that he actually usually skips the town of Nazareth because um, it's really commercialized. But the town of Nazareth originally was like super duper tiny. And he said actually everything in the nation of Israel is is like 10 times smaller than anything that you would find in America. So like the mountains, when they're like, Jesus went up on a mountain, it really wasn't quite a mountain. It was more like a really tall hill. Um City of Nazareth, four acres. So, I mean, most things in the nation of Israel is super small, including the nation of itself. It's like the size of like half of New Jersey or something. I mean, it's really tiny. Um, I've heard everybody that has went over and has done one of those Holy Land tours or whatever you want to call it yeah. has came back and said, oh, my goodness, once you actually go there and see where all of these events happened, mm -hmm. It totally makes so much more sense. Yeah, changes your perspective. Yeah, it seems like like they can walk everywhere. Makes a little bit more sense. They literally can. Yeah, and yeah. but like just to show how insignificant Nazareth is, like mm -hmm. biblical figures, like even apostles, yeah, <laughs> like make fun of Nazareth. They do. They they downplay Nazareth. I think it was Nathaniel. Yeah, that said no, nothing good can come from Nazareth. Like yeah. they just. They literally, it's the laughing stock of Israel. Yeah, and I mean, it's because it's so tiny, you know, and right. it's a it's a little farming community. Out in, I mean, it's no money, nowhere. No, yeah, there's no money. There's yeah. no yeah. It's 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 literally the the poop. Yeah, like it's <laughs> how was that again? <laughs> Can you hit <get> backwards? 
Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. So like, if you're like thinking about it, like if like I plan this out in points. So like point number one, Nazareth, super small, but look what comes from it, right? Um, most people, I feel like, would say, oh, I can't preach the gospel, for instance, because I don't know enough stuff. Oh, I'm just me, like, God can't call me to do anything important. But if you look at Nazareth, little four-acre, 50-house Nazareth, there's probably 300 people that lived there back in the day or less. Like, Nazareth was insignificant. But nothing, nothing insignificant with God. That's what I love about sports, is that nothing is insignificant. Mm -hmm. Your your height really doesn't matter. We see short people playing in the NFL today. Yep. You see see short people playing in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Um, John Wall, wasn't he like 5'10"? Yeah, he was not tall yeah. at all to be a point guard. Right. Um, you know, <clears throat> you don't have to be overly strong. You don't have to be – I mean, it's all about the effort that you put in. Right. And, and literally God-given ability. Yeah. And that's the same kind of instance where it's like there is nothing in your life that has made you to be, quote-unquote, worthless except for your attitude in your mind. Yeah. You, put, you plant that in your head. Yeah. There, you have all the – attributes in the world to do whatever you want to do the same Mm -hmm. as these people who go pro at anything yep and it's the same kind of mindset that god has it's the god things about you in that way nothing Mm -hmm. is insignificant about you god made you for a purpose do that purpose yeah so look at it in that light yeah one of my favorite things that you've ever said hunter um and it has stuck out to me so much that like there's it's, a lot of favorite things I've said, so I'm interested. <laughs> well, I'm um, but one of my favorite things that you've ever said, and it has actually changed the way that I live my life, um, and it was not very long ago. You were talking to that, about that one kid on your team, and I don't remember, I don't think we told this on air. I think this was like a, we were just talking. <clears throat> but you were talking about this one kid who was tired one day, and he's like one of the, like, he's he's a really good player, and, you know, he's like, he's important, right? He's one of the integral parts of your team. But he wasn't feeling it. And I think he came in and was just like, he wasn't even giving the effort. Like, he was just stinking the whole day. Um, and you told him, you said, listen, it's not about what you feel like that day. Being a man is all about effort. You're going to put in the effort even when you don't feel like it. And dude, that has stuck with me ever since. Um, and so I 100% agree. Like, you may feel insignificant, but it is not. It is not you, there's nothing about any of us that are significant in the eyes of God. Everything that is significant about us comes from him, comes from God himself. And so when we look at Nazareth again, it is not the fact that he picked the biggest, best town. This wasn't giant city. You know, people would think big, like people think that that cities that would matter would have been places like Jericho. And what does God do to Jericho? He says, march around the city seven times and it's going to fall over. Like, and literally there's, there's now, um, they found evidence that it looks like the cities just fell outward. Like, there's no reason why they should. I know, talk with my hands. Sorry, guys. Ben there's, just smacked the microphone. I did. If you heard, <laughs> that's what that was. Um, but there's no reason why Jericho, the, the walls should have just fallen outward. They were super thick. They were super tall. Babylon, walls were super thick, super tall. Didn't mean a thing. When God gets involved, the most significant things are nothing. And the things that are the most insignificant are something. And that's what I want to tell you today is if you're sitting out there right now and you're going, I am insignificant, trust me. God has a plan for you, and you can be just as significant as anybody else. You just have to rely on God and let him do the work. And just imagine what Mary felt like. She was a a young teenage girl from Nazareth. Right. So it's something... Wait, could you say that again? She was a what? Teenage girl. Teenage girl. Yes, she was. From Nazareth. Yeah. 
Yep. I, we don't know how old she was. It doesn't say. But historically, she was probably like 15, 16. Yeah. That's every every book I've ever read. Yeah. Except for the Bible because it doesn't say. <laughs> it doesn't say. But we'll, we'll place her as a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Um, if, no, if anybody ever feels insignificant, it's young teenage people from yeah. nowhere towns. Right. And like, what they have to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you think your town's boring? They watched wheat grow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For fun. <laughs> yeah. They took care of sheep. Yeah. Sheep are boring, stupid animals. But but he took God, took Mary, and said, "I am going to change the world mm-hmm. through you." Yep. And now we say that. Now I don't put her on the pedestal that Catholics do. Right. But they they took her. And they said, hey, we're going to literally make the Savior of the world through you mm-hmm. and, and watch what's going to happen. Yep. That's what I like about The Chosen, uh, the, the series I just talked about a couple a couple episodes ago. Yep. The, the Chosen shows Mary's, like, even her parenting up into the in Jesus' ministry. Hmm. Um, I don't know where they get that information. They have resources online that they get their where they get their stuff, and they say it's all historical and whatnot. Hmm. Um, but it makes sense that mm-hmm. she's widowed, you know, and whatnot. And she most scholars, yeah, think she was widowed at yeah. some point. Yeah, yeah, because I think Joseph died early. In yeah, because it never mentions him like in Jesus' earthly ministry, like never mentions him. And so there's most people would say there's got to be reason Jewish why. scholars don't mention him much right. after the birth, really. Yeah. And so it's yeah. just, you don't really hear about him again. So they think that she's widowed. And so they see whenever he's close, she pops up and mm. she's there to kind of help feed the camp and feed. The, and it's just mm. real interesting to see that she still plays a part even after this yeah. part. She's not insignificant Yeah. Um, after this. Yeah. Well, and I mean, she's there at the, at the cross, right. You know, like he's like, you know, woman this is now like and she like points kind of to john and it's like this is your son and uh i think he says behold your mother or something like that anyway making provision for her mm-hmm. you know so i mean J- jesus cared about mary the his entire life even i mean literally to the point of death well so, i think that's just motherly instinct too you yeah, know plus behalf, he's like the savior of the world so <laughs> yeah i mean you know angels like hey you got to raise this thing, you know. <laughs> right. Well, and it's a total rabbit trail. But can you can you imagine being Mary and uh, you lose Jesus at the temple and you're like, crap, I lost the Son of God, you know. <laughs> anyway. So, but that thing that does well, not that point, but the point we were just talking about was <laughs> yeah. a good segue to point number two. Yeah. Nothing is impossible. Right. To God. Yeah. Um. And it's it's funny. The I stopped in verse thirty seven, but literally. Uh, verse. I'm sorry, I stopped in 36, but literally verse 37 says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Um, you know, it, it talks about her cousin Elizabeth is going to have this child. Well, Elizabeth was well beyond childbearing years at this point. I know that was a miracle in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, nothing's impossible with God, including, including so uh, the birth of Jesus. Yes, sir. How are babies made? <laughs> <laughs> I when think you know that you have two of them. And a woman love each other very <laughs> okay, much. Okay, we're going to continue sort of. on. Actually, what's funny about that is when I was a little kid, you know, I always heard the the story of the Christmas, of the story of the Christmas, the Christmas story, <laughs> that one. Um, and I, I looked at my grandfather one day. He picked me up from, from elementary school. We're riding in the car, and I go, Papa, what's a virgin? And he was, I mean, you could have sucked the air out of that car. Or actually, I mean, it was, yeah, anyway. It was something. So, anyways, back to this whole story. Nothing impossible with God. 
Well, that leads us into the question again. Yeah. So even, <laughs> but even having. Do you really want me to go into this, Hunter? Come oh, on. Well, we can. Yeah, it's our show. Uh, no, but <laughs> even. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave. <laughs> but even, the Alter Podcast, the X-rated version. Uh, but even to the point that a virgin can get pregnant, yeah, and and have a child, and it, it, that is significant to the story. Mm-hmm. That it, I mean, it is, and it's a fun. Uh, I love it when Pastor Chris talks about it every uh, Advent because his face gets red, and it's it's, a, it's not it's very inco- un. It's like a youth pastor talking to uh, teenagers on Valentine's Day. Yes, uh, it so it's a, it's the same equivalent. Yeah. I always say to pastors talking to adults on Christmas about the virgin story. Um, but it's very significant to understand why that had to happen. So it is. Um, it yeah. is significant to understand why that had to happen. Because, because it even says in the Bible that Joseph didn't even know her, wink, wink, yeah. if, <laughs> until after Jesus was already born. Yeah, that was the that was the biblical equivalent of they had never had sex. Yes. It, it put it, well, <laughs> well it, that's what it says. I mean, it is what it, that's her. what the King James version <laughs> says. Yes, he never knew his wife until after. Yeah. And it put and, and again, it, so it made Jesus not have a sin nature. That that is the whole point. Yes, he does not have a sin DNA. Yes, the point of us, and I think Paul says it, is that uh, we were born already in the sin because of our our father's seed, and Jesus did not have that. Jesus had his father's seed, which is the creator of the universe. Yeah. The, you know, the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary and all that good stuff. We don't have to go into that. Yeah. Um, but it made Jesus be able to resist temptation. He made him not a sinner and made him perfect in every way. So he was the perfect sacrifice on the cross. Um, that is a significance to the Virgin Mary and him being born of a virgin. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot in there. there. There's a lot in there. And really... And and scholars debate, does that mean that he could have sinned or couldn't have sinned? Um, but what it does do is it removes the right, the sin nature from his DNA. He is not of the cursed line of Adam. He is of the blessed. He is the only begotten son of God. Um, so, yeah, no sin nature there. Yeah, where we where the, the good old Calvinists will say that we sit in the total depraved state. Jesus never sat in the totally depraved state yeah. because of that. Yeah. We because of the sin nature. Yeah. So something cool that we kind of learned what about a week or two ago about Jewish lineage. Mm-hmm. You want to share about that, Ben? Um, oh, this was cool. Yeah, this was cool. So we have a, a girl in our ministry right now, um, and she comes from a Jewish background. She's not a believer yet, as far as I know, but um, we're praying for her. We love her. Um, but she she's been coming to our ministry. It's just super cool, um, and it's it's really cool to talk to her about some of the things that I just thought I knew, right? Cause I'm pastor Ben. I think I know all this fun stuff. And then like, I start talking about like Jewish culture and heritage. And I think I'm an expert. Well, she literally is cause she's Jewish. And, um, she was telling me the other day that, uh, Jewish lineage is not traced through the male line. Well, in America, we trace your lineage through your dad, Mm-mm, not in Jewish culture, Jewish culture. They trace your lineage through your mama. Yeah, legal side. Legal, yeah, legal. So when you look at the lineage that is found in Luke chapter 3, for instance, traced through really, probably, and all scholar, most scholars would agree with this. I don't know all do, but I'd say most do. Um, everybody that I read says that Luke was actually probably tracing the lineage of Mary, not of Joseph. Matthew's probably chas- tracing the lineage of Joseph. Um, and there are some really interesting implications that we will get into about there was this curse that was put on. Anyway, the whole point, like, but Jesus avoided, literally avoided the curse um, through being born from the seed of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, 
And there are many, uh, well, I don't know if I want to say many, but there are several biblical prophecies that kind of cover some of that stuff, right? Uh, 2 Samuel 7 is one that people kind of get all a little bit bent out of shape about, but it, you know, it's funny. 2 Samuel, it, kind of the last half of 11 going on, says, The Lord declares to you, the Lord himself will make a house for you. When your time comes, he's talking to David, so he says, I'll make a house for you. He says, when your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up after you your descendant who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, people are like, well, that means that Jesus came from the lot. No, no, it doesn't. It means that God will give David descendants. Okay, well, we understand that because we read and we see that David had a bunch of descendants. Then it says, I'll raise up after you your descendant who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. Cool. He is the one who will build a house for my name, talking about Solomon, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And you're like, oh, now I'm starting to hear the Jesus language, right? And then it goes on. It says, I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will discipline him with a rod of men and blows for mortals. And people are like, does that mean Jesus sinned? No, it's talking about, people get all bent out of shape about this verse. It is talking about Solomon. And it's interesting that that God says, I'm going to be like his father. And it's like, David's like, I'm his father. No. And then it kind of looks forward. So, And he says, I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I'll discipline him with a rod of men. And then 15, but my faithful love will never leave him as it did when I removed it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And then he says, your house and kingdom will endure before me forever, and your throne will be established forever. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is going to come on a scene, and when he does, um, as has already happened, that kingdom will never end, right? Mm -hmm. So from David's lineage um, will come a Savior. Then like Isaiah 11.1 um, and Isaiah, you want to you wanna find some prophecies about Jesus? Just check out Isaiah. There's a ton of them in there. Um, but Isaiah 11 one says, Then a shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And then it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding. And so, by the way, you want to talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit? There's a whole big bunch of verses about the Holy Spirit. Um, but that one talks about this reign of this Davidic king, and it goes on and it says, His delight will be in the fear of the Lord, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears. But he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. And that's what Jesus did. You see it over and over and over again. All the people that he should have honored, the Pharisees and all those people, actually turns out that they were not living a life for God in their hearts. And Jesus calls that out over and over and over again. Um, you see Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Dean, you have that by chance? Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Yes. So it says, look, the coming or the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will raise up a righteous branch for David, he will reign wisely as king and administrator and administer justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. This is the name he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Mm, There you go. Um, and so you see all of these biblical prophecies. Um, and then lastly, and we were talking about the virgin birth. I kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent there. But Isaiah seven fourteen it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. And you just kind of read about Jesus' name. So what we see there in um, biblical prophecies, you see all of these things about how Jesus 
um, w- you know, the line that he came from, how he would literally be born, which he would be um, born of a virgin, right? Which people are like, I'm sure people back in the day when they were trying to study that out was like, how mm, that's, mm, I don't think so, right? Like we always get on our haughty horse and try to explain scripture away when scripture says things and we should just trust it. Um, I'm sure that was one of those that people were trying to explain away forever until it actually happened. Um, and so, you know, we have Micah 5.2, which talks about that Jesus would be uh, born in Nazareth. We have all of these things, right? And all of these things are significant because when you look at prophecy, biblical prophecy, the foretelling of Jesus' birth is something that was so statistically impossible that it couldn't have accidentally happened. You know, some people, they talk about, could Jesus have been, could he have made himself be the Messiah, right? Could he have, like, made his life fit into that? But there are so many things that are impossible, but, like, for instance, born of a virgin. Um, But there are others, like, um, you know, where he was born and the time period. And there's this whole prophecy about, like, um, Herod was going to kill all these kids during the time of Jesus trying to take him out. There's a prophecy about that. You know, there's all this stuff that, that... a normal human person couldn't make happen. Um, and so there's this guy, uh, he actually kind of tried to do the math on it once, you know, at one point. And um, he, it was some statistically impossible number just to fulfill eight of those prophecies. It would be like taking little, like one by one tiles and covering the entire um, state of Texas two feet deep and just turning somebody loose with a blindfold so they can't see. They just walk around and they pick up the perfect tile, the, the one that, you know, go and find the one with a little star on it, you know. And so it would be like somebody wandering in Texas, the entire state of Dex- Texas, their entire life, that is covered two feet deep in one-inch tiles, and they just pick up the right one. Just for eight. Yeah, just for eight of them. So, you know, it is statistically impossible is what I'm trying to get Jesus at. Jesus do? It was in the... Oh, there were bunches, but there were at least 40, um, and, and it depends. You can... Different scholars say different amounts, but at least 40 um, prophecies of, of Jesus uh, in the Old Testament. And, yeah filled every one of them perfectly. So huge deal. Um, so, all right. So the next kind of question that we probably need to cover, or the next thing that we kind of need to cover is his name is Jesus, right? I'm going to, you know, I'm looking at, at my points in the plan. I just skipped one. Um, y'all are looking at me funny, but the next thing is that his name is Jesus, right? And, and the name itself is significant. Um, but it's funny that when we talk about the name of Jesus, you know, we're like, well, we don't see that you know, very many times in Scripture. We do see it a couple times. Um, in the New Testament, there's this guy named Bar-Jesus. He's actually a false prophet um, in the book of Acts. You know, but people are like, oh, we just don't see that name. Well, guess what? That name is actually a Greek name. Um, Jesus, his actual name would have actually been Yeshua, or in Hebrew, Joshua. You know, we see in the book of Joshua, for instance, there's this guy way back in the day whose name was Joshua. It means um, Jehovah is salvation. So Jesus would have had this name Yeshua. Um, and I think in the chosen, don't they call him Yeshua a bunch of times? Sometimes. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like his name was, you know, Jesus or Yeshua, you know, in, in Hebrew it would have been Yeshua. Um, but the whole point is that it's that, that Jehovah is salvation. Um, and I, I think that's really, and truly that's, that's where I kind of want to end when we think about the interruption of Mary Mary's life, you know, if you think about it before this moment, she's living out her normal everyday stuff, right? She's the normal teenager. She probably every once in a while, her mama says something and she doesn't want to clean her room, right? Like she's one of those people. Um, teenagers, if you're listening to this, you know, she was, she's this normal person who's living out life. 
Um, but God interrupts her story and uses her in a way that is amazingly significant. You know, she's this little girl from little podunk town nowhere. Um, but God interrupts that and sets her on a path that changes the world. And, and not only that, but it says that, that the, the kingdom of Jesus has no end. So not only does it, has it changed the world now, but it will change the world forevermore, and it has eternal implications. And so, listener, if you're sitting out there and you're, again, if you're like, man, I just feel so insignificant. There's nothing good about me. There's nothing that I could ever do. Well, you're right. But, but God can interrupt your story in a moment. And how does he do it? It's through his son, Jesus. <laughs> you are not, you are not going to have a son of God. You're, there is no immaculate conception at this point. Um, that happened once for the sins of the world. However, what can God do in you that could change the world? Who knows? But Jesus, Jesus can come. And when he does, he can set you on a different path. You know, we talk all the time about salvation on this podcast and how, how do you be saved? The way that you be saved is you trust in the Savior of the world. You make him Lord of your life. You believe in your heart that he died, that he was buried, that he was resurrected so that you could have life and your sins be forgiven. You repent of those sins and you trust in Jesus to be your Savior. And there are some things after that, right? God asks us to be um, baptized and all of those things, but we believe salvation starts when you make Jesus your Savior, and that can be you today. And you may be sitting there going, well, there's nothing significant about me after that. God can never use me, even if you are sitting there and you're like, I, well, Ben, I'm saved. God can use you. If he can use a little podunk, nothing Nazareth, and this little teenage girl, what could he use you to do today? And I think that's what the importance of understanding that you're adopted into the family of Christ yeah. or the family of God is mm-hmm. he didn't just save you so that you'd be a worker bee right? and that you would do his bidding. Yeah. He doesn't need you to do his bidding. That's right. Uh, and I love that. And it's always a saying, but John Piper says this all the time. God doesn't need you. to. <laughs> I mean, and it's true because true. he owns everything. He does everything, yep. whether you're a part of his story or not. Yep. And so the, the part that God doesn't need you, but he, chose you anyway is flipping unreal mm-hmm. like you can't tell me that the holy spirit called me and drew me in i mean that's that's unheard of for somebody who doesn't even need me yeah he can't he for somebody who that if he would have just never talked to us again after adam and Eve fell mm-hmm. is is mind-blowing that he would have sent his son that that the one part of the triune god came down experienced everything that he went through, yep. read the Gospels, mm-hmm. and got massively murdered, brutally murdered, for us. Mm-hmm. So that I think it's First Peter says that he is he bore in his body our sin. Yeah. Yep. So that we would what? So that we could live with him forevermore. Mm-hmm. And and the Bible does say that we are predestined for good works. That he that he prepared beforehand for us to do. You know. Um, Ephesians two ten. Yeah, so I mean, there are there are implications there though that you know, and and I think this is the the thing I was trying to get at earlier. You're no accident, mm-hmm. right? You fit in God's plan, um, and He has good works predestined for you to do. Now, 
if you never did them, you know, some could debate and argue that it wouldn't matter, but he's predestined you for his plan. Go fit in it, you know? You know, for the Christian that's out there sitting there right now going, I don't know, it, go fit in it. If you're like, well, I don't know what to do, go be part of your local church. Go serve in every ministry that the local church has to offer, and I guarantee you'll figure it out. Well, we talked about hospitality just, I don't know, a few episodes ago or whenever it was. That was the last episode. That was the last episode. (laughs) We're on track. You're not. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, uh, you know, just go be someone's friend even at church. Yep. It'd be huge. And here's the thing. If one person comes to salvation, not even directly, Mm -hmm. but indirectly through something that you're in. Yeah. If if you're in children's ministry and you just watch the babies, but that baby grows up and and becomes saved through a ministry that you was a part in, do you not think that that work is significant? Yep. One person going to the kingdom for eternity yep. is significant. Yep. Well, and and you know, people are like, well, I've never seen anybody saved in the ministries that I've been a part of. But here's what the Bible says about that. It says that some plant, some water. God's the one who gives the increase. We don't save people. We don't. But did you plant? Did you water? Were you a part of the process? Absolutely. I've thrown out a thousand more seeds than I've ever seen harvest. Yep. But praise God, man. I hope one day all those seeds grow fruit. It'll be awesome. Um, it's just a blessing it is. to be able to see, to be able to throw out the uh, the seed. Yeah. You know, and we have to realize ju- to be grateful enough just to do his bidding. Mm-hmm. And I, I put this post on Facebook and then Facebook took it down to me. It goes against their community guidelines. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but it said, John the Baptist lived his life for God mm-hmm. and he and he did the will of God mm. and he gave up his life to live in the wilderness and to preach the God to preach the coming of the king and to preach the a repentance message and even up to the point of baptizing Jesus mm. and he did all that for God and then he got beheaded mm-hmm. God did not promise you you know this this hunky dory life. And he did not, just because he did his bidding didn't, doesn't mean that God was going to grant him that. That's Sometimes true. we have to realize it's just enough to be used. Yeah. And that it's an honor to be used. Yeah. And everyone who is a part of this family, who is adopted in, has a purpose. Yeah. And it's just an honor to be used. Yeah. Yeah. I think one more thing with that, too, is I think that God knows, I think the Bible teaches that God knows literally the end from the beginning. So he knows everything that's going to happen. So he's not surprised by your circumstances. He's not surprised by the fact that John the Baptist, John the Baptist, <laughs> John the Baptist was beheaded. <laughs> he wasn't surprised by that. Um, I bet you when John the Baptist was beheaded and he went to heaven, he wasn't mad about it. Yeah, I bet he got there and was like, "Yes, you know." Um, but if he knows what's going to happen already, he's not surprised by what you're going through. And so that means that he already knows before you go through this horrible thing that you're going through um, how he's going to get you through it or how it's going to end at least for John the Baptist. Um, you know, Mary could have played that game too, right? Like we talked earlier about the fact that Gabriel could have been signing her death sentence. Um, but it's interesting if, if we go back and we look at the, at the passage, kind of the last thing that Mary says, verse 34, she says, how can this be since I've not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who is called childless. So again, he says, For nothing will be impossible with God. 
And how does she react? So he says all that stuff. She could have played the what if game. And if you look at it, like Moses, for instance, played the what if game. Well, I'm going to go and I'll go through the impediment and I can't talk and nobody's going to listen to me and all this stuff. What does Mary say? Verse 38 says, she responds. She says, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Hmm. That's it. Mary doesn't play the what if games. She's just like, I'm your servant. Let's go. As the young kids say, bet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I said this a couple weeks ago with Paul. You have to be tuned into God and tune out the world. And Mm -hmm. I think you'll be getting there soon enough, right? When Mm -hmm. uh, Paul is on the on this ship to be sent to Rome to be talking to the emperor probably would be killed. We don't know. Um, but he's getting sent to go to talk to the emperor and there's a massive storm. Well, there's a, he sees this vision and hears this voice telling him to prepare everybody because there's, and, and they will be safe. Mm-hmm. Well, he was tuned into God. What, what would have happened if he was tuned into the world and he was, and he looked at the outward worldly situation where he was like, it, this storm's going to be bad. Our boat's getting ripped to pieces. And he was just like, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. <laughs> you know. And he, but he didn't tune in to what God was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about that? You know, it's the same thing. Are you tuned in to God to even hear and receive what he's trying to tell you? Mm. You, you have to be on, the, I mean, you have to be a little tuned in. So be prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, something will happen. It's true. All right, last 10%, what you got? Christmas is around the corner. It is. Christmas is coming. <laughs> I think the last 10% is is that um, at the end of the day, no matter what happens, you are usable. You can, you, no matter what, with a little bit of uh, effort, with a little bit, I mean, yeah, because even even Mary didn't get it all easy, right? It just mm-hmm. she didn't just go through the motions. She had to put in some effort. You try to have a baby, <laughs> you know, being a virgin. I bet you that was some effort. All right, mm-hmm. um, so effort has to be given, um, and with God's call and your effort, you you can literally change the world. Yep. And that's not some motivational speech. It can seriously happen. Mm-hmm. Look at Billy Graham. I bet you Billy Graham never thought as a teenage boy that he was going to preach to millions and millions of people and have millions and millions of people come to Christ. Yep. But I bet you go you go to any church across this nation, you ask somebody to get, who has been saved in a Billy Graham crusade, and there was somebody there that would raise their hand. Mm-hmm. Dina, wasn't your dad saved in Billy Graham crusade? I think so. See, bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> and the way I found that out was there was this little Bible in his old truck when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so I opened it up, and I was like, wait, what? Like, because it said something about it was given as a gift because of your salvation or whatever. It, whatever. Wow. And I was like, whoa. So somebody who probably did not realize that this was going to happen took a chance yep and they did something great yeah now you may not be a billy graham but you'll be a sally lou if that's your name <laughs> but you you'll you'll be a you yeah and, and you'll make a difference so the sally lou, god wants you to make a difference so sally lou if you're listening this is your prophetic moment today <sighs> that god has something for you cindy lou who <laughs> <laughs> you made a difference with the grinch cindy there you go you made a difference <laughs> dina Last 10%, what you got? So, since it is tis the season, realize that you are a gift of God mm. and that, you know, you can be a gift and a shining light to others. 
the look on her face when she said all that Christmassy crap just made, <laughs> me, made me want to vomit. It looked like Cindy Lou Who, didn't it? <laughs> I can't help it that I have the spirit of Christmas in my heart. <laughs> Since that Jesus movie quote. came into my heart. What? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so last 10% for me is is just a big ditto. Um, man, the 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 size of Nazareth speaks to me. Because again, should have been so insignificant, but there's nothing insignificant with God, and so that's the thing that sticks out to me as well. Um, so there you go. That's what I have. That was very, that was very well spoken. Thank you. Good job, Ben. Thanks, buddy. Good job, Dina. All right. You know what it's time for now? <laughs> Woo! Ben's Bible facts, trivia stuff. Things. He just already forgotten what his uh, segment is called. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just want to make it better. <laughs> okay, question. What is the best-selling book in the world right now? <gasps> I know. The Bible. Yes. You stole it. I thought... Dina, what is, what is it? The Bible. The Bible, you're right. Yeah! <laughs> question. Yeah, buzzer. Question, librarian. When I look at the list of the top-selling books... In the world right now today, though the Bible's not on there. Why not? Are you looking at the New York Times? I know this. New York Times bestseller list. It's not on there. Why is it not on there? Isn't it because it's a banned book? Mm-mm. No. Hunter, why is it not on there? So I don't know the exact reason. Okay, but I got real excited when you said it <laughs> because I did hear that they took it off, and it was like I heard like some of the reasoning was one they were jealous and. They were like, we're never going to catch up to this. It's because well, it is the number one best-selling book every year by far. Isn't it because people have multiple copies of it? Um, and from, so that's not really authentically like everyone buying like from one what copy? I've, from what I've heard, it is because it is the number one best-selling book by far mm-hmm. to the point that no other book could even come close. So they took it off the list because it's not fair to any other book. Right. Because no. it would literally always be number one. Yeah, I've heard that. That was one of the big reasons. There's a couple of different reasons why, and that may have been on there as well. I'll lose interest after about five minutes. <laughs> I mean, I guess like if you walked into Barnes & Noble and you were like, this is the number two most selling book, it kind of like loses its like awe. Eh, yeah. yeah. And it and it is, you just, I mean, first first off, Ben and I probably have half the record. Like, That's of, true. The most buying Bibles in the <laughs> world. No, um, but. I love them. Yeah, it's an addiction. Um now, the, the Bible, yeah, you got to think, because it's not fair to other authors, right? Because you're competing against God, mm-hmm. and that's not cool. True. Uh, <laughs> and nobody does that. And so, yeah, I, I could see why they took it off the list. Yeah. Uh, I'm not mad about it. Yep. Well, so, along that note, guess what the Bible also is? Not only is it the number one best-selling book, but there's one more, like, it is the most of something. Anybody know what it is? The most old audio book. No. Printed? No. It is the most stolen book in the world. Yeah, but you know why? Because they steal them from hotels and everything else. <laughs> that's, well, that's really why true. they put them in there, though. They're not really <laughs> stolen. You're supposed to be able to take it. That's uh, part you? of it. Yeah. You Well, so the, it does, yeah, the Gideons did put them there so that you could take it with you if you needed one, and they would replace it. 
They may not replace it immediately, but yeah, it would, they would replace like it. Like that was the whole idea of it, was that it would be an easy way to give a Bible to somebody. Because if you think about it, you go to a hotel. If you're by yourself, you're like, oh, look, here's a cool book to read. This is before like cell phones probably. But you know, and yeah. you start reading the Bible and you're like, man, I'd really like to take this with me. And on the inside cover, or at least they used to, because I remember seeing it one time and it said, if you would like to take this Bible with you, please do so. And it will be replaced by like... I think it said something about the Gideons down at the bottom. And I thought that was so cool. And I was like, Mom, can we take this? And she goes, no, we have Bibles at home. So we didn't get to, you know, <laughs> take you it go. with us. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you, you got to think about apps on your phone. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's one of the most downloaded apps, just the Bible app. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, I can't remember who makes that one. Uh, Life.Church. Does it? The one that I use anyway. Well, I'm saying it's the generic Bible app, like yeah. uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's like one of the most downloaded apps yeah. on the app store. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, it's What's funny about that, though, we, we talked about hotels. <clears throat> so it's the most stolen thing, though? I want to make sure that I... Yes. Okay. It is the most stolen book, not only from hotels, but also hospitals, bookstores, <laughs> and other locations. You know, if you're going to steal something, if you're a thief out there and you're going to steal something, might as well be a Bible. Yeah. Because then you could read it and then right. feel convicted right. and return it. Well, well if I was... Oh no! Just thinking on it, if you're going to take a book that you know is going to like actually resell, which book is going to be most likely yeah, that someone's going to buy? Yeah, but if you're a thief oh. out there, you're probably not going to resell. That, a bunch have of Christians. you seen how much some Bibles are? That's true, That's man. True. That's like it is way more than like the nine ninety nine Diary of a Wimpy Kid book. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> let me tell you though. So this Bible that I hold my hand right now, leather bound, CSB, large print, super awesome. $15 on christianbook.com because it was on sale. So, anyway, there's a... You, but you can't. You can get a lot of good Bibles for cheap. I got my yeah. leather-bound... Uh, I'm about to nerd out here. Uh, <laughs> my leather-bound Amplified Bible. Uh-huh. Um, like 24 bucks. Wow. Large print wow. for on Amazon. That's awesome. But like, you Dude, go, Amazon Bibles are so expensive. Like, Amazon, christianbook.com is so much cheaper than Amazon. Oh, really? Yes. I've never bought a Bible. You never bought a Bible? No, I talk you into buying it. <laughs> I buy them all. I'm like, here, here's another one. You should read this one now. That's true. I do love I mean, if anybody ever wants a Bible, all they need to do is hint that they want one as a gift, and I guarantee that's probably what's going to be your next like birthday or Christmas present. The most ex- what's the most expensive Bible you have? I'm interested. Uh, it's a uh, Dake, large print, King James Version, leather bound, or I guess it's bonded leather. Um it was given to me as a gift by my mother, hundred and twenty some dollars. Mm. I could not believe Mom paid that much for a Bible. I had just mentioned that I wanted one, and she went down to there was a, a Christian bookstore in town. I and wasn't think that even on sale? I think so. They're really expensive, and and but Mom was like, "Hey, what's funny is my mother has bought me. She bought me my first Bible I ever, I've, I ever owned. Um, well, other than like the the like the Bibles I give you as a little kid when you're in church, you know." But like the first Bible, like when I got baptized, my mother bought me a nice, like I wanted a a bonded leather study Bible. So we went to Sam's Club because they had them on sale and we looked and I got an NIV bonded leather, really nice study Bible. And then later on down the road. So I blame my mother because every time I mentioned to her that I want a Bible, she's like, here you go. (laughs) That's the best gift to give. It is. And it's the most valuable thing that I own, right? And so I must say, if you were going to steal the most valuable thing that I own, that would probably be number one. Number two would be my wife, and I will cut you over my wife. You can have my Bible. I'll get another you, one. You got so many. Yeah. Um, I think the most expensive one I have is the RC Sproul. Because mm. I bought it at, I 
Calvinist convention. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's like yeah, it was like 125 bucks. Wow, but hey, but it, it is done. It is done well. It's it's like it's handled. It has made it through everything I've put it through. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it still looks brand new. Yeah, so that there's there's a reason that they cost so much. Yeah, I have my eye on one. Mother, do not buy this if you listen to this episode. I have my eye on Please a buy it. hand sewn, gilded, crafted heirloom Bible. And they make them in all different translations ESV, CSB. Are all. you talking about an old family Bible? No. I am talking, I'll show Because I'm you like, later. I'm pretty sure dad would give you ours. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking, this sucker is like goat skin. Like, oh, wow. It's cool, but I will never buy, I will never pay, I will, that's, I can't say I'll never. Because um, <laughs> he's already looking at it. $225. So, okay, so half of our views just dropped off. Uh, so, but that's very cool, Ben. Yeah. I think that was your your Bible facts, <laughs> uh, whatever we call this segment. Yeah, Ben's Bible facts. But really, isn't that just being flashy, though, because it's all the same? You're 100% true. You're 100% right. 100% right. There is no reason, there is no reason why I, I would pay like, that much money for Bible. People buy baseball cards. People buy whatever. If you're going to collect something, might as well be the Word of God. Yeah, I that's mean, true. Oh, let me tell you something else. I'll nerd it, and then I'm, gonna, I'm done. I'm sorry, but I had nerd out about this, too. Um, Dina watches these super cool TikToks about <laughs> old Bibles. No, seriously, like the Gutenberg Bible, like the old original, like old school. So the other day I got really curious and I got on eBay and I just looked and I, I was just looking at old Bibles. And there was an like a eight, no, 1643, 1643, something or other, like old, super cool, like page, not Bible, page of a Bible. It's like a hundred some dollars. Like, for just a page and like he was talking like this dude that I, like i think i follow him now on tiktok but he just had a piece of a page of like one of the old old like, like original king james bibles or old. yeah, yeah. Hmm. so cool anyway sorry so nerd out time thank you so much for listening to the altered podcast if you would like to buy ben a Christmas present. Feel free to send Stop pages. Of- <laughs> uh, so you know what's really cool is if today I looked and saw what we have on our viewership, and it's eight hundred and thirteen. Wow, on the road to a thousand, baby. So thank you so much to everyone who listens. I cool. think we should do something really cool for a thousand views. Yeah, we'll probably. You know what I'd like to do? What's that? Well, I'll talk to you when it gets off here because I don't want to let the people know. Okay. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I would, whatever. Um, so thank you so much for listening through Anchor or whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, it helps us so much. If you're listening through Apple uh, Podcast, I know that if you are li- if you watch other, uh, bi- or listen to <laughs> other Bible, uh, like, what is it called? The Bible Project or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they, if you have more people who do that, the more like will be shown on other people you also may like um, like when they type on the Bible project you mm. might, we may pop up there so what you're saying is you should listen to other Bible podcasts as that's, well that's right that's yeah, cool that's right and so we shouldn't be your only ones yeah um, but although we are really good we are so uh, good that's not humble and we're so humble <laughs> <laughs> but no so Thank you guys so much for listening. We we could not do this without your support, or we would just be talking to dead space, and that's not fun. We do enjoy hearing ourselves talk, but all right, here's our amazing outro. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Altered Podcast. Be sure to listen next week for a brand new episode. 
Also, be sure to connect with us on the Altered Podcast Facebook page for updates and other cool content. See you next week.